Welcome to my podcast Freestyle. This is series two and this is episode 18. Perhaps this is your first time ever listening to one of my episodes and if so, I really hope you enjoy it. If you're a regular, then welcome back. Today, I'm delighted to welcome one of Britain's leading dressage riders, Andrew Gold. Andrew is very well known on the dressage circuit. He was successful in juniors and young riders, but I think it's fair to say over the last couple of years, his career has gone sky high. He runs his own business, Priory Dressage, with his wife, Hannah Gold, and one of his sons, Ollie, is becoming successful at young riders. In today's episode, I want to find out more about Andrew in general, his up and coming horses, his long-term trainer is David Hunt, and I'd like to find out why that relationship is so successful. I also want to ask him a big question about what it was like to first ride at London XL. It must have been so exciting. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it. I want you to listen to the episode. I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening and please share this. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to my podcast today and thank you for coming on. I have to say, ever since your amazing performance at London Excel in 2022, I've been dying to have you on my podcast so I can find out about your journey to arriving at that point. Uh, it was um, one of the most amazing things I've ever done, I'll be honest. I bet it was, uh, yeah. So, yeah, really good feelings and um, best experience, not just for me, I think for like our, our whole family and team. It was, uh, I think everybody bought into it. Well, you work your whole life for that sort of moment, really, don't you? So, Well, I think, especially for me, I was born in London, so you didn't have many horses around. And as a kid, I was taken to um, Olympia and Horse of the Year show. Yeah. So I think, like, that bug and that sort of dream started very early in life. Yeah. And then you go through periods of your life where you think, well, that was just a dream. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. And then something changes, and then all of a sudden it's a bit more reality. Well, I can't wait to get onto that, um, but just for the listeners, um, can we go back to, right to the beginning and how did you get into horses initially? Like I said, being a London boy wasn't that there were lots of horses about. There wasn't even much grass about where I lived. Yeah. Um, so it was a sort of, a, a, my mum had a basic interest in horses and she did own one. And you know, like we look back on it now, it was horrific. Yeah. what we classed as riding back then um and they used to ride like literally down main roads in london um so there were, um, when i say a knowledge it was very basic knowledge she basically brought us a shetland pony between six kids um my, all my cousins and my brother we all rode this one shetland <laughs> and she was horrible <clears throat> she was evil and um <laughs> she one by one uh basically killed off each brother cousin <laughs> so i was the only one left so they all gave up riding very quickly and i stayed at it and um it developed a little bit from there um i carried on for about a year with that pony and then i basically went to london riding schools and things like that but i think it was probably when i was at school and I was becoming more physically strong and I was more interested in rugby and I was into athletics and riding then became a bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but then I had to make a decision and my coaches all said, you know, like, you can't do a little bit of riding, a little bit of rugby. You've got to make a decision which way you're doing this because you're missing training for this and that. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's when I decided to do horses. 
I dropped the athletics, dropped rugby. Um, but we still lived in London and we kept our horses in Surrey. So we had to do a sort of a 45-minute commute after school every day. Oh, my um, God. That was quite difficult uh, in those early years of kind of staying motivated when it was cold and miserable and um, you finished school and then mum would say, right, we've got to go and drive and ride your pony. And in those days, I mean, when I would say riding a pony, it wasn't, I didn't even know what dressage even existed. This yeah. was just like having to canter around a field. It was very basic. Yeah. Um, and then from that, I various different sort of avenues that led me into a showing yard <clears throat> where David Hunt was based. Uh, his partner was a showing rider who I was working for, and I was about 12 at the time. Yeah. And um, that's when I met David, and that's kind of when I had my first introduction to dressage. And um, that's when I decided that's what I wanted as a career. So I left school at 15 and left London and went to David's full-time working for him. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, yeah, picked off and escalated from there. And would you talk us through some of your highlights through juniors and young riders as well? Because I know you were successful at that point too. Yeah, it, it depends on how you view. Um, young riders for me was a stepping stone. Yeah. And um, I say this to my son all the time, like, it's great and it's a good experience and you have to see it for what it is as an experience. But it, at the end of the day, I don't think it meant an awful lot as in where my career then needs to go because going from young riders to seniors <clears throat> is an absolute huge jump. Yeah, uh, it's like different worlds, isn't it? Very different worlds. So you can, you can have a lot of success in young riders and then think, you know, I've made it and then actually you've just started. Yeah. What I took, I learned a lot, uh, competitions and traveling horses abroad. That was all really good education. I made very good, close friends on my team that we are still very close um, to this day. And we were on teams for four years in a row together. So we kind of built up a really good bond and we've helped each other a lot throughout the years. Um, we all run businesses. We all sit down and discuss things. I think that's really important. Um, we we won a bronze medal in, I think it was 2000, um, yeah. which was a massive deal at the time because I think it was the first time Great Britain had won a medal in 20-odd years. Um, and then the medals, I think, started coming soon after that. But it was, a, it was a real team effort that made that happen. And it wasn't the quality of horses. If you look back, I think the whole team cost... I think we worked it out one day, which is under £25,000. Yeah. And one coffee break was my pony club horse. Um, Westwell Gem was Kate's pony club pony. Um, yeah. Sarah rode Ludo, who had done various um, journeys with other riders and what have you. And Becky then brought Quadrat that turned up to be a really good team horse, to be fair. But it was to start with, you know, they were they were just horses that got trained and riders that really knew how to produce them. So I think looking back, that team bond that we had was what 
made us slightly different to other countries. And I think that's what helped us win the bronze medal. We should have had another one the following year, but for a little bit of dodgy judging from the Swedish. <laughs> I think I remember. Swedish rider by like 35 marks, they ended up pipping us for bronze medal. Yeah. That was a bit of sore, that one, because that was our last <laughs> team all together. And I think we wanted to go out with a medal and unfortunately we came fourth. But um, it was all, I mean, the whole experience is sort of you make it it's the people you're with and the relationships that you build um so yeah I, I enjoyed my time but it i don't think it really gave me a huge insight to what was to come later and sort of so after young riders what did you what did you go on to do in then then well then i had to find like i had to leave my parents financially and, and start myself having my own business yeah um and that's where it's like, it's tough. This industry is not a good industry to be in at the moment. But back then, it was quite difficult being young yeah. and trying to find a yard to rent and then having clients and then having staff and all that sort of thing. And I was only um, 21 and I wasn't business minded. So um, it Lots was quite. Take on. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, massive. You got a lot of stress all of a sudden. Whereas before, you know, it was just me and my mum and I had the horse and I worked. You know, if I needed a day off, I took a day off. It wasn't a problem. And then all of a sudden, you've um, you've got massive responsibilities. You've got clients' horses to look after. You've got staff to to keep an eye on, um, landlords to deal with, and all these sorts of massive bills. All of a sudden, all these overhead. Um, yeah, just because you're a good rider doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be able to run a business. <clears> it, so. Far from it. That's leaving school at fifteen did not help that. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> had I maybe thought about it a little bit harder, thinking, oh, I just need to learn how to ride a horse, should have stayed at school, learned a little bit more, maybe got a degree in business, um, would have helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. And you train with David Hunt, and I think you have done consistently. Have you ever trained with anyone else, or is he just? Is it just been him mainly? It's been David since I was in 12. Yeah. I've had lessons and, and training from lots of other trainers through young riders, um, and various camps that you go on and stuff like that. And recently, uh, a few years back, I had um, training with Carl yeah. for different views, and he helped uh, with test riding. But David has always been my trainer and coach, mentor, whichever way you want to word it. But he's the man I go to. Um, and we work really well together, and we work very consistently at the moment together. So I have lessons twice a week, uh, which I've never had before, um, which I think has been, it's difficult. I think in the sport, it's very difficult to get consistent training financially and coaches yeah. are busy. Um, okay. But we use a new system now. So um, it's all done on video. Online. So, yeah. yeah, he does it from home. And that means that he hasn't got to travel. And it means that I can pick a lesson that suits me and, I can get it consistently now. Yeah, I've just started doing a similar thing and it really works because you're not taxing the horse, are you, by driving them out and everything and you can continue to do your business. Well, yeah, and I think the problem I used to have, like David would come every couple of months. By the time he comes, we're just sort of going back to where you left off and then you can't really push on. He wants to see how the horses are doing. By the time you've done all that, he's finished and then it, I'll see you in another couple of months. We never really progressed. Yeah. So this way... Um, it's a very different way of coaching and it's 
suits us both really well and um, results have been better since we've been doing this so I believe it works yeah it's amazing that you know you've had him there since day one really in your dressage career it's really nice yeah I don't think you'll find many riders that have the same coach for such a long time but I think it's one of those you you've got to respect who you train with and I have an awful lot of respect for David he's not really just I call him my coach but he's family really um, yeah so it does and, and the thing is with David I don't get and even to this day I, I've never had any special treatment the way he talks to me the way he treats me you know no. he can be very tough on me as a person and that's what you need um and I think yeah, brutally sometimes, honest sometimes I think isn't it and you need that and understand you know when I'm a bit brutally honest um yeah. My son goes, Dad, you've been a bit harsh. I'm like, this is reality, son. You've got to get used to it. There's no point sugarcoating it. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the end, you do train with someone that um, reflects you a little bit. That's what I think, because I'm getting older as well. Yeah. But yeah. I think it is. It's Coaching is not about having a lesson, is it? Coaching yeah. is it's a massive. I can phone David up and I can talk about any horse. And we talk a lot about the sport and where it's going and how we want to influence it and what we want from it and all these sorts of things. That's the side of things that you need from a coach to, to sort of throw ideas around, not just what do I do with this horse at this moment. You know, yeah. all our coaching that we're doing is like with two-year plans and things like that and, and what we're doing with horses now and in the future and what we want from them and, it's a very, very different than just going for someone and having a lesson. That's, I think that's an easy thing to do is to go and have a lesson with someone and think, wow, that's really good. That's I easy. Because people yeah. can make you feel good. But yeah, that's, sure. that's not necessarily what you need on a day-to-day -day basis. I think what you said about families is very important because actually I always feel like, you know, people that have got parents that are in the sport and that must be amazing to be able to ask all these extra questions and, um, yeah, it's interesting that you've said that. Well, family are honest, aren't they? And yeah, they are. have your best interests. Um, and sometimes they will say things you don't want to hear, but they yep. need to be said, <laughs> like that. And yeah. um, that's where family is slightly different. How does it work with Oliver then? Does he take all the advice from you? Is he good with that? Um, I mean, I think... Ollie is exceptional in how he wants to develop this in the sport and, and how passionate he is about it. His issue is <clears throat> more that he wants it too fast. Yeah. And I know that feeling. Everything that he feels, I've been there. Yeah. And had that emotion. Um, so, again, he may not like what he hears, but I will not um, hide from telling him my views and how I feel about it and stuff like that. He's very good at taking it. He always will have an opinion and then he'll go away. He thinks about it, comes back and goes, no, I think actually you might be right on that. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. but for a 19 year old boy turning 20, I think he's got a brilliant attitude. To do, you see, do you see yourself in him then? Yeah, massively. Yeah. yeah. And which is why I know what he's going through. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, uh, it's a difficult. It's a different time to when I was in young riders and what it's like now. Yeah. Um, but I, so I am. I do try to shield him. Like I haven't rushed out 
and given him lots of luxuries and said, you know, here's your ticket, off you go. I, he's got to graft for it. And if he doesn't yeah. graft for it, it's not going to happen for him. Yeah. So he worked hard. Um, and I'm proud of that. That's good. And what's your setup look like at home and what's a typical day like for you? Um, we don't have typical days, I'll okay. be honest. <laughs> uh, it, there's a lot of variation. Um, so I tend to get to the yard from nine. Yeah. I usually have um, 10 to 11 to ride. And then that that's with my staff also riding and they warm up horses for me and things like that. So I can concentrate on the bit that I need to do. So usually they will come in and do 10 minutes of a horse stretching work first. Yeah. And then we swap and then I ride the horse and then they're getting the next one warmed up and then it works a bit like that. Like that yeah. goes through to just after two. Um, we have a breeding program as well, a separate place. Okay. So um, between me and my wife, we, we go and do all the young ones, all the brood mares and all that sort of things. We have the poopick fields, which I'm you know, <laughs> now back out in the field poopick and didn't think I'd have to do. Uh, <laughs> but I am. And this mud is driving me insane at the moment. It's horrible, isn't it? Oh, the worst. Um, but I do love seeing how all these horses change. And uh, we've got great, we've got our first crop of four-year-olds come in and to be backed and um, it's just nice to see them from the mega foal and all the way through. I really enjoy that part of it. And do my you wife ride the four-year-olds as well then? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, again, I have tried to pass them to Oliver and said that this is something that you've got to learn as well, how to ride the young ones because they're very different. Yeah. Um, and I will always just jump on and just give a little bit of direction. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to ride the, the real babies every day, but probably once a week I will sit on them and just say, you're doing a good job or, you know, he's not going forward enough or something simple like that. You know, just direction more than anything else. Yeah. And do you coach with the riders as well? Yes. But yeah. I'd say in the last sort of 18 months, I've done less than I used to. I used to do a lot of teaching, but concentrated on myself a lot more in the last two years because of the team of horses that we've got we're away a lot more so it's been more difficult to have that yeah but I've got about three sort of under 21s that I'm working with that I really enjoy yeah they just gotta have the same sort of drive as I do and I can really work um well with them and I think I've got a good sort of balance with my young riders at the moment um They've all got different types of horses and different types of problems, but I, I enjoy that side of things. I enjoy working with the young riders. It's good. That's good. And can you tell me about your current rides at the moment? So we've got Indigro, who's an uh, 11-year-old stallion, who did uh, two Nations Cups last year and obviously did Olympia yeah. um, the year before. Um, he will be coming out probably can start competing in May this year. Yeah. Um, he's obviously uh, a yard favourite. He's a very exciting horse, very special horse. And um, I think he has had a massive influence on me because he's kind of given me an insight to what I should expect and a, a level of standard <clears throat> that I need to sort of strive towards um, and when I say an insight, it's more like 
he's not a finished article. He's still learning, but he has really made me up my game. To a, a lot of quality, form. hasn't he? Yeah, but it, it's it's more in depth than that. In that, how you have to think when you ride him, what yeah. you expect, and I think when you're sort of making your trade and when you've got horses that are good, but then probably not top international horses, you can make excuses for them. And I think that's what I've done. I've spent a long time in my life probably going through going, oh, this horse doesn't have the best shaped neck or he doesn't have the best energy or he doesn't have the best uphill tendency or natural way of going. And you make excuses. <clears throat> and then, Riding this horse particular, he's kind of said, right, this is how it can feel. This is how it should look. And I've realized I've probably let other horses get away with a lot because I've kind of given them the benefit of doubt in a way that I've thought, oh, no, you find that really difficult. I'll let you off. Yeah. But actually, I think that's a weakness that I've yeah. got better at. And all my other horses have just changed in the last 18 months because I've changed so I know that it is a weakness in me that I allowed them. Um, so I'm really excited about how I'm riding at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's really reflected on the horses. Yeah, I think you can see that as an outside person. So, And, and how did you and um, the Stallion come together? When did you get him and how did that partnership start? It was, it was a weird one because I have um, Jeannie, who's also at Grand Prix. And yeah. He was just starting at Grand Prix, but this is where it kind of came. I was like making excuses. I don't think he's going to be good enough. Um, he finds this difficult. He finds that difficult. He's not naturally good at this and this and that. So the owners decided that we would look for another horse to sort of yeah. run alongside him. Yeah. So, um, and that was all done very, very quickly as a discussion. And there's such good support people. Um, have really, really helped me in that way. So finding um, Indy Grow was a massive asset, but it's it's now what that's done to, to Jeannie has just completely changed him. And where I was like, oh, I don't think he's good enough. I'm so excited about him now. He's, he's now sort of established himself as a Grand Prix horse, and now he's got to go to the next level yeah. and actually just start performing in a very relaxed mature way in the test that I can ask the questions I need to ask um so I think that Indigo has pushed me to push Jeannie I've got another Grand Prix horse called Amicella who um is a very naturally talented Grand Prix horse um she's in the caliber of those two but she lacks a lot of um experience because she didn't do an awful lot of shows from the age of sort of five to ten she did like a handful of shows so she lacks sort of going away staying away she gets quite insecure yeah but she's done a couple of grand prix last year she's done one this year she's been inconsistently over 70 so she's just going to sit a little bit behind the two boys at the moment um and just learn her trade yeah um but very exciting horse and then we've got solaris who is a 10 year old who's going internationally small tour this year and hopefully we'll step up to Grand Prix at the end of this year. So those are the sort of four main ones, yeah. Ones at the moment. Then we've got lots of young ones, but 
we'll have to wait and see how they all develop. <laughs> Lots to think about and keep you busy. Yes, absolutely. And is there a certain type of horse that you like to have for yourself? Like, is there an ingredient that you would say makes them sort of special for you? It changes. I think yeah. the more you buy and train, you realise what you like, what you don't like. But <clears throat> I think you have to nowadays, if you're looking for a top international horse, they just have to be naturally balanced. If they're balanced in their way of going, their frame, their carriage, their work ethic is easy and their ability to do what you need them to do is natural. Yeah. When you're struggling with horses balance-wise, then you're trying to make them do something they fundamentally struggle. So I think that changes their personality. Yeah. Uh, so I always look now, I look at a horse's confirmation a lot more than I used to. I used to look at how they moved and I got blown away going, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't really look at that side of things now. If it, yeah. if it moves correctly, um, it's got to have um, energy, natural energy that wants to work. But if it's built in the right way, confirmation-wise, I think makes a massive difference to how the neck is shaped, where it's shaped, how the body is shaped. Yeah. And um, that can really make your life a lot easier. And how would you describe your training philosophy? It's open. Yeah. It's open because I think for that reason, I've just said how every horse is different shaped and different mindsets. I don't think you can say this is how I train because yeah. every time I think like that, there's a horse that changes my opinion. Yeah, sure. My philosophy is to work with a horse. Um, I like to have horses thinking forward. Yeah. I like to get them in self-carriage. How you get their changes completely. If I think about today, I've ridden 10 horses today. I can't say that I rode every horse the same. Some horses, yeah. they want, need to be stretched at the beginning in a certain way. Some horses don't. Some horses, you need to do lots of transitions at the beginning to sort of help them find the balance. Some horses, they use the transitions, then they back off you. So you change it. So it, I think you've got to be, nowadays, you've got to be open. Minded. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to ever say that this is the way I ride and only. I just want to be able to ride every horse individually. Yeah, makes sense. And would you say your journey has been an easy journey to get to where you've got to? Have you had any setbacks? And if so, how have you dealt with them? An easy journey. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, I could tell you probably <laughs> it would take both hands to tell you how many times I have tried to give up. And when I yeah. say tried, like physically go, right, how do I close the yard down? How do I get rid of the staff? How do I tell the owners? I've gone through that so many times. This sport has broken me so many times. It's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you get through these little patches and then something good happens. And then you're rocking for six months and you think, oh, the world's great. I love my sport. I love this. I love what I do. And then another thing happens and you're thinking, I just went out and done. I can't take any more. So, yeah. <laughs> no, there's no part of it. And there's still no part of it that is easy. I'm 44 this year um, and I'm still struggling because it's one of those that takes everything from your family, your life. Um, I've said this to my son, like, forget girlfriends, forget <laughs> social life. 
let forget going on holiday with your your mates if you want to be successful can't have it all no it takes everything to do this sport it infuriates me when i watch other sports and they're like oh you know i have to do four hours training (laughs) to go and play golf in the afternoon and i'm like oh my god you have no idea and yeah. they, didn't, they didn't train today because it was raining or you couldn't get on the cricket pitch today because it was raining. or You know, I'm just like, then the clue. It's the hardest sport, I think. Um, and I don't think people appreciate it. And I don't think it's a bit of a raw subject, but, you know, social media is a killer at the moment and mm-hmm. our sport is taking um, Big a hit. And I don't think it's fair. I don't, I hate this sort of um, trolling of people and how they discriminate against them. And they make up all these stories of how horses are being mistreated. I'm sure there are, and, and that's been proven recently. However, there's people out there, I, my horses get fed first, family gets fed after. Yeah. 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 They get to see a vet, we don't have time to go to a doctor's. Simple as that, like the amount of money and time and energy that goes into looking after our animals and how we put them first to everything. And then you get all this sort of backlash of, you know, dressage is this and that. It's it's hard. It really is hard because you can't even fight back. No. So I find that really sad that we have to go through that. But, um, I think most riders and trainers and people that are involved in the sport, <clears throat> they know what it takes and how much it takes um, to, to, you know, just to get a horse to Grand Prix, to get it to an international. I mean, that hundreds of thousands of pounds is hours and hours of work um, yeah. and lots of tears. Yeah. Would you say that the setback has made you stronger? I mean, it's definitely been worth it if you, if you look to where you've got to now. So. You've got to see the um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. If you spoke to a lawyer and said, you know, how was your journey in life? They'd probably tell you lots of horror stories. I, I don't oh. know. But um, I, I, as much as I would uh, like to have given up at times, I never have. Yeah. So that tells you something that when it's really tough and you find a way through it, then you've got to want to find a way through it. So... 100% it makes you stronger and it makes me more determined um, and I'm probably more determined now than I've ever been yeah so um, yeah I'm, I'm not saying I would change an awful lot because you're, you're right it kind of defines a little bit who you are mm. but yeah maybe if I go back and did it all over again I'd make better choices that's probably different yeah. Uh, maybe not put myself in those sort of tricky situations that you find yourself in at times, but um, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm still doing it. Yeah, that's really good. And who inspires you, and why? Who inspires me in life or in riding? Both. Mm. <laughs> so in life, I don't really have. Uh, I I do look at people that have success from nothing, and I like those kind of people. I've met lots of people through owners and things like that that you know started life with nothing and have been very successful because they're driven and I like that in people yeah um from a riding point of view 
I'm not a person that really looks to other people for inspiration, as in people might say, uh, the young kids now will look at Charlotte and say, oh, she's an inspiration, I want to be. I never really had that as a kid. Yeah. Um, David was uh, sort of the person that I would look to to want to be, but not from a riding point of view. I never was really, because he kind of came to the end of his career when I was starting. So I never really followed David when he was successful. Yeah. But his mindset and the way that he is in his head and then what he believes, that I found really inspirational and I still do. I think the man has got so much wisdom. Yeah. Um, and I love our conversations that we have. <laughs> I look at riders like Carl and I think <clears throat> what he's done for our sport and I see him doing horses that aren't the most talented and he just gets the best out of them. I think, for me, yeah. he's the best in the world. Yeah. Shadow of a doubt. There are other riders that are all more successful than him, but I think he's done it to a level where you look at a horse and you think, oh, well, that's not going to make it. And then he just turns it into an Olympic machine and I think, wow, how did he do that? <laughs> So um, I've got a lot of time for, for Carl and his, and his philosophy in riding and, and how he shows himself. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I didn't really have, I actually wanted to be an event rider. I think as a kid, I was more like Ian Stark. That's who I wanted to be yeah. but when I was really young and watched him at badminton and stuff like that. <clears throat> but once I looked at those fences, I realised that that was never going to happen. So that was uh, short-lived. So we touched on this earlier. What was it like to ride at Olympia? Well, London XL. But um, talk us a little bit through that. Um, it, it happens quite late, as in you don't really know you're going yeah. months in advance. So you're kind of like thinking, hopefully I'm going, I'm planning yeah. to go. <clears throat> but the selection comes quite late. So then you've actually only got like four weeks before you actually know that you're going. Yeah. And then the reality of that is, like, <laughs> oh, my God, I've never ridden in front of a crowd like that before. What's that going to be like? So the, a lot of it is unknown, and that's quite scary. Um, yeah. And putting the music together and, and doing a sort of floor pan for something like that, again, I was like, I don't know what he's going to react. And you've got to understand, Indie Grove was still very new. I'd only had him a year. Um, I'd done three Grand Prix almost prior to going to Olympia, I didn't know him that well. And he hadn't competed since he was six. So he's not seen anything like that for three years. So a lot of my worries were, what if, like, what if he does this? What if he doesn't want to go in the arena? What is that? that? So that kept me up for for a few weeks. Yeah. When um, we got there, it's really funny, like, you things like smell i i'm like oh my god yeah smells like olympia when i was yeah. a kid. do you know what i mean like you're I in know, this area, you know, just the smell of all that was just weird and i was like that was getting me all excited like oh my god i'm here, I'm here. <laughs> the smell of the stables the, the shavings it was all really like exciting with weird things like that but they were still building the stadium when we got there um and we had to go and ride and as they were still like drilling and banging, Indigo was freaking out. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is awful. I couldn't, I wanted to go into the warm up on the first day 
and I wanted to let everybody know how good my horse was. I wanted everybody to see him and go, oh, my God, who's that new kid on the block? And what yeah, I got yeah. was he wouldn't trot. Really? Just passaged everywhere. <laughs> I tried to go into canter. He just was going disunited. He was gawping at everything. And I'm thinking, this is the complete opposite <laughs> to what I had in my head. Um, so I didn't really sleep well that first night because I was thinking, this is disaster. I couldn't even get around the arena. Um, and then they had the Shetland Grand National practicing outside and he was breeding stallion. And I just think he saw the Shetlands <laughs> and thought, brilliant, bring them all on. And I was yeah. just like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. Um, a trot up was not ex- not fun. That was just way too exciting for him. Um, so that, yeah, I wouldn't say I was really relaxed the first uh, day being there. Um, and then you're allowed to go into the arena the morning of the show, and he was a lot more like Indy. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> normal now. And um, then everybody started turning up, like um, my wife then turned up, David then turned up, and it was like got back into our routine a bit more. Yeah. Um, and he was nervous uh, the first test. He was definitely trying to sort of see the crowd and he was reacting to noises. And the first extended trot, you, you, when you turn onto it, you go under that great big box in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you can see it on the video, but he ducks when he went under it for the first time. Oh, bless he just, Like He just disappeared. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, what's happened? where have you gone? Um, so little things like that I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah. I wasn't overly happy with the Grand Prix. Um, he made mistakes. He showed his greenness. Yeah. Um, but the next day I had an amazing warm-up. And they do this really horrible thing. Because it's live, you have to go in on your time. There is not like, okay, this one's finished. You can go in now. You have to go on. At that time, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that at the time. I'm sort of like turning to ready to go, and they're like, hold on, 60 seconds. I'm like, oh, do not count me down. (laughs) And they're like, 30 seconds. And it's like, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, it's like going around badminton. They're counting me down (laughs) in the start box. And that made me, like, my heart rate went up about 10 times. Yeah. (laughs) Then the curtains open, and then they say, go. And I'm just like, let's Really not how I envisioned going into the arena. But um, when I came through the curtain on the freestyle, the crowd went crazy. And it, I don't know, it just made me relax. That's it, it good. Opposite. Yeah, I, I felt really good and he felt really good. Um, and I love my music. So as soon as that started, I think I felt a lot more at home when the music started. And I just had the best ride probably I've ever had. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, experience, but he just felt like he was so with me. Um, and I knew at that time he's still green and he's still green, especially at that level, he's still green. And I feel he dealt with it so well um, for nine years old at that point when he went and did that. Um, so, yeah, it, just, it was everything that I wanted it to be. Uh, yeah. Probably more. I got, you know, a really good score. Came sixth in my first World Cup. So um, it was, yeah, it was the sort of dream dream okay. show, really. Yeah. And it must have um, inspired you for, like, the rest of the season and everything since doing that. 
Yeah, but it, it's, it's interesting because uh, my next big show was my Nations Cup debut, um, which I'd been waiting for, I don't know, more than Olympia. I'd been waiting to try and get this sort of your British team flag and to be able to do a Nations Cup. Yeah. And I always thought that that dream had gone. I, <clears throat> I had a chance like 10 years ago and it didn't happen. And then I haven't had a horse to get back to that level. Um, so I thought, oh, my God, I think that, that dream's gone. Um, so then after Olympia, they said to me, you know, you're going to go to Compiègne and you're going to do your team and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, brilliant. Felt really good going to that show. He was on really good form and had a really bad show. And it was a little bit like just bringing you back down to reality. Um, so you know, this is the thing about the waves. You know, you had the highs of Olympia and then I had the low of Compton. It wasn't like it was a disaster. No. But it wasn't. I was wanting to push on from Olympia and I kind of went back a little step. Yeah. So come home from Compiègne, reflect, build again. And then I got the opportunity to go to Rotterdam and do another uh, Nations Cup. And then things really started to come together. And I had a brilliant show in Rotterdam, amazing crowd, massive good stadium. And I was like, oh, this is where I want to be. Um, and I got a, I think I was third in the special. Yeah. But it was very close um, between first and third. And a little mistake in the ones and one other mistake kind of cost us definitely second, but could have helped me push towards that first, which would have been amazing. But um, third was amazing to come home with that. And yeah, experience. And then he just pushed on and um, finished the season on, on a real high, getting his PB. I, had a, a just, I wanted to go to, the, the next show was in, um, also in Holland. And I wanted to get 72 in the Grand Prix. That was my target. And he had a 73.9. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, when you're so close to a 74, which sounds like so distant. Yeah. All of a sudden, I was 73.9. I was really disappointed. It sounds <laughs> yeah. really weird. I went yeah. there wanting to get 72. And then when I had 73.9, I was like, so close to 74. And I felt like disappointment. <laughs> it's really yeah. bizarre. Um, but yeah, I had a brilliant show in uh, Pilburg and, um, he just started to sort of really sort of find himself. So I finished the season on a high. And does David um, come to the shows and help you? I wanted to ask yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I'm off to France on Wednesday. Um, unfortunately, he's in Germany and meeting, so he won't be there for that one. But I can still do the sort of video lessons from where he is in his hotel room to where I'm competing. So I'll still have him in my ear. Yeah. But um, he's not coming to France. But, uh, yeah, no, he came to um, Rotterdam. He was obviously at Olympia, and then he came to Bilberg. So um, it, it does make a difference having him there, I have to say. It must and be I've nice for him as well to see you, you know, being successful. It's, it's a team effort, so, yeah. I, I made him cry at Olympia, which I'm very <laughs> proud of. That's good. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, for him to even say, well done, is it's hard <laughs> work. You know, to get that well done, you did a good job. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many times he's ever said it, but it would be on one hand. <laughs> and for him to sort of cry after uh, Olympia <laughs> was a very proud moment of life. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
And how do you prepare for shows? Do you and do you ever get nervous? Oh, I'm always nervous. I think that's a given. Anybody that says they don't, I think they're lying. Yeah. Because the nerves have come in all different ways. And I think I remember when I was a, uh, at school being, um, I used to do hurdles for London. Yeah. And I'm not the tallest. And I remember standing on the um, start block and I'm looking to the left and right and it's just like six foot 18 year olds. I'm thinking, oh, I can't win this race. This is a nightmare. <laughs> tiny compared to these lot. And I remember saying to my coach, my belly is in knots. I feel sick. I feel broken. from that. And he said, just stick to your game plan. Do what you know you're going to do. As soon as the gun went, bang, gone. And I won that race. I, was, I used to think, how the hell did I do that? When my body was shaking two <laughs> seconds prior to the gun going off. And I have the same feeling now, even uh, at local shows. As soon as I drive into a show, um, I get butterflies every show. And if that's just the local one down the road, and I'm doing a show that is just, I'm there to give the horse some experience. As soon as I drive in, I get butterflies. It goes very quickly, and then um, two minutes before I go into the test, I get the same feeling again, and as soon as the bell goes, you're gone. Yeah. So That's 100% it. get nerves. Planning for a show it always varies because every show you go to, there's different targets. Aspects. different goals. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've been to shows this week. And I'm not saying they're not important, but I, I'm not there to win. I don't care. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care about anybody's opinion on that. I just go in there for the feeling that I want to get for the future. Yeah. Um, so how do I plan for that? I don't. I just, I'm, it's part of another day's training. Yeah. To, yeah. week on Wednesday, we've done lots of test riding. Um, we're going there with a plan. And different kinds of pressures and I want it to do well but I am also looking at this as a the future for Gene he's in the grand pit but he's not ready to win and I'm not expecting him to go there and winning I'm expecting certain other things so the plan and the goals are different and that varies to from one show to another and off the horse do you have a fitness routine um me personally yeah. No. No. Do you not? No, never. I, I don't have time. <laughs> I have, like, by the time I finish the yard and then I have the other yard and three kids, I haven't got time. For, I'd love the gym. I'd love to go and do some workout, but I don't see where I'm going to fit it in at the moment. That's honest. It's good. <laughs> but it's funny, though, because I'd, I'd imagine you to be like, I don't know why, but, like, going to the gym and be regiment about that. So, yeah. No. <laughs> my my sons are gym buds. Uh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. And I do look at them thinking, I used to look like you once. <laughs> but I think that day, I think that's that boat sailed a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm uh, out of shape because I ride ten, twelve horses a day, and I still physically work on the yards and um, poop. Yeah, you're doing all that. Yeah, I'm still quite fit. Um. It wasn't that long ago I ran the London Marathon, so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm out of shape. However, I have spoken to um, Caroline. We are going to see if the local gym will take me on. Um, yeah. But 
that's I think that's just because I'm getting older, not because I feel like my riding. I don't feel like I need to go to the gym, but yeah, put my socks on in the morning, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could change anything about dressage as a sport, what would it be? Get rid of social media. Yeah, that's a good one. Get rid of that straight away. I agree with that. Um, Unfortunately, it's here to stay, though, isn't it? So, yeah. Um... I just don't see the positives out. I mean, do you know, it, it gets to the stage where I have uh, a really nice video of a horse and I think, oh, I'll put that on social media. And then I go, no. Cause... No, I won't do that. And that's mm. bad, is it not? It's yeah, bad that sad. you can't put your beloved animal on social media because of what people then start. And they're not educated people in the sport. And that's the thing. It's so easy. People say, just don't listen to them. But it's, you, you do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if someone's doing something horrific, then fine, show it, and that's, you know, that's yeah. got a place. But I think, yeah, to just abuse people is not okay. But it's, I mean, it's not just our sport, is it? It's every, I mean, yeah. my my kids are into football, they're obsessed with it, and, you know, when England go out of a World Cup, the amount of abuse that the players get is just unjustified. It's just a little bit the way the world is, but that's sad. Yeah. I think the sport, I know it's... um had bad press recently but i think the way especially british dressage is in the best place it's ever been the competition of horses that we have and the caliber of riders that we have now um, yeah is amazing it's unfortunate that the three top riders that we have charlotte lottie and carl are so good that maybe other riders don't get the opportunity mm-hmm. You know, it would be nice to see a championship with different names, maybe at some point in the future. <laughs> but yeah. they are they are so good. They have set a standard that everybody else has to match. Yeah. Is a, a good thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, watching Lottie and Charlotte and Carl closely, they are streaks above in that I believe when I watch them, they don't throw anything away. Their mental strength is phenomenal. Um, when you watch how they, uh, the little details that they do, I think to uh, an uneducated eye, you miss all that. But when you yeah. know what and you can see what they're doing, I'm like, wow. This is yeah. So I think they are making everybody else better. Definitely. But at the same time, I mean, Carl needs to give up now and retire. I told him that. <laughs> he said he was going to do it like two years ago, and he's still here. Um, and doing well, isn't he? So, I mean, really, in a way. But this is the problem. Yeah. The more he keeps doing well, he's not going to stop, is he? No, that's it. So, um, we're down with we're down with that. I mean, I would love to be on a team with Carl, but uh, I think the only way I'm getting on a team is if he retires. So, yeah. Don't know how that's going to pan out, but no, it's uh, it's great. Our sport, where it is with those guys, is great. I mean, we never, I never thought growing up that Great Britain would be dominating the sport the way that they are at the moment. So, no, it's brilliant. Yeah, it is, um, and that's what we've got to strive towards achieving as well. So, who's in your top three at Paris? Lottie, Charlotte, and Carl. Yeah. Are you mean as in? I mean as in like third, uh, first, second, third. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think that 
it will be between Jessica and Charlotte. Yeah, me too. Um, and I don't think there's much in it, so it depends on who performs it on a day. They're very different approaches in their styles of riding, <coughs> very different horses. Yeah. Um, so I don't, yeah, I think that comes down to how they produce them on the day. I think Charlotte did an amazing job. Um, yeah, she's just, just gone. Um, because he's still a young horse, that one, and Jessica's are a lot older and a lot more experienced and a lot more relaxed with the atmosphere. And um, Pete's still got a lot to learn. So, you know, Charlotte this year, I think, will up that level a little bit more. That's what I can't wait to see from her as well because she's such a competitor. To oh, she's watch, so driven to watch so that. Driven. I mean, she, she's going to pull something out that you just can't even imagine, I think. So, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if she wins. No, nope. but at the same time, Jessica is on amazing okay. form. It wouldn't surprise me if she wins. I think Lottie will be close behind. Um, but then you've got the the, the Danish rider that um, sort of got in between them last time. Yeah. She will be back, um, and you don't know what Isabel's going to do. She's got new rides and. Patrick Kittle's got new rides, so there's going to be a little bit, you know, those, those guys are going to be there or thereabouts, but I think it's going to be between Jessica and Charlotte. Yeah, it's great, though, that the spot is in a position where it, it is a bit more open to different people, you know, up there, and it could be either of those two or, you know, even someone else, so that's great. Nice if there was a man involved, don't you? <laughs> it's been well, a while <laughs> since there's been a, a male rider winning gold. Uh, I think Edward was the last one, wasn't he? So, yeah. Um, I think that's the girls have had their time. No, I don't know yet. <laughs> but they always talk about, you know, men have the advantage, they're stronger physically. But if you look at the champions, Isabel, Anki, Charlotte, Jessica, Lottie, they're all very short, small ladies, aren't they? Yeah. I'm all, for, I'm all for that. <laughs> So there you go, your little small line. Yeah, that's you? it. <laughs> so I don't think that theory works. Yeah. I, don't, I think they, I don't know, maybe they have an advantage in a different way. I don't know. But Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so hold I do think, like body wise, where they're quite short, they have a lot of strength through their lower parts of their back. Yeah. They can hold these bigger horses. Um, when you are tall. Yeah. He looks very good and elegant on the horse, but that took, takes a lot of strain. I'm sure. The taller riders, it's not as simple um, to hold that structure quite like the, the smaller girl. So yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if that plays a part in it, but um, we'll only know when the next one comes along, the next yeah. male rider. In. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what are your goals for the future? Well, this year is an Olympic year. Three riders go, one reserve. Yeah. If I could be a reserve, that would be amazing. My goal for this year competitively would be, if I couldn't go to an Olympics, would be Arken. It's always been a dream to ride at Arken. Yeah. Uh, that is my aim for this year uh, as a realistic one. I think the Olympics is, <clears throat> I think if all horses and people are fit, it, the team picks itself. Yeah, of course. So um, my yeah personal goal would be Arkan. Um, and then it would be to have a championship at some point. 
and I don't mind if it's a Worlds, Olympics or Europeans, I'll take any of those. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go back to Olympia again. Um, and then, you know, from a, a business point of view, to have a model where the, the business is successful and secure and something that maybe Oliver can inherit in the future. Um, and if he wants to do it as a career, that I can be part of that. That'd be great. Yeah, bless him. I forgot to ask you earlier, who's in your support team and why are they important? In my support team, I've got my wife who rides um, and has a good understanding. And she used to be um, a, a teacher of psychology. Okay, yeah. So um, she comes at it sometimes from a different point of view, which is what you want to hear. And that's like I say, sometimes she'll say things that you don't want to hear, but <laughs> she's coming at it sometimes from a professional point of view. Psychology yeah. is, is a massive part of what we do. Um, so Hannah is uh, really important. <clears throat> My parents, they're just parents in a supportive way. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say they're involved in it so much, but they live and breathe it from a distance. And I always have chats with my mum before and after shows. And she's really good. I mean, she, again, she'll say what she feels she should say, but um, she's just really, really supportive of what we do. Um, I've got people like David, who is continuously on the phone. We talk continuously. Um, and it'll be things like he's, he'll go to an international he'll come back and he'll be all inspired and he'll sit me down and say, right, so-and-so and so-and-so is doing this. We need to up our game. And look, he's really like on board and, and passionate about driving me at the moment. That's good. My owners um, are very involved and I try to keep them very involved. Yeah. Um, they come to the shows. I want them to be part of it. They come every day and watch. I want them to be part of it. I want them to see how the journey goes. I want them to understand how it all works. Um, I have a really, really good head girl, Nat, who um, she adores the horses as much as I do. She takes them as her own. That's brilliant. She yeah. them like her own. And I don't have to worry when I'm not there. I know that her job is her job, but she goes beyond and makes sure that those horses are always priority. Yeah. Um, so that's really important. We now have a lot of help from world-class, uh, which is great. And they will let you have whatever you need. If that's someone to talk to, um, if you've got any mental health problems, you can talk to somebody about it. If you've got physical problems, they will help you. If you've got financial problems, there's somebody on the phone to talk about that. So world-class are, um, they're really useful and, and you can use them and abuse them as much as you want and that's what they're there for. Brilliant. So that, that I find, um, I've only been back with them for the last 18 months, but um, they're really good and they're just always on the phone if you need anything. So that's what's nice. And because sometimes you come across things and you think, I don't know what to do in this situation. Mm. And they say, talk to this person, they'll help you. That's all you need, isn't it? Just someone that you can uh, jump ideas off definitely but I don't I don't want a big team if that makes sense and I want people that are close um, yeah. 
adequate. I don't need lots and lots of people around me. And words of wisdom to your younger self? Stick with hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been a less painful journey. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I think I, I think there's a lot of what I've done. I've been very, very lucky that I've been able to do a sport for um, 30 years now. <clears throat> so I don't think I would change anything. I don't think I would give myself any advice to say, do this, do that. Um, there's just little parts of your journey where, as a person, I think I could have done better. Yeah. But um, I don't think I would really go back and change anything. I think for somebody else coming into the sport, um, I think it's quite difficult time being young because there's so much money involved. There's um, so much quality involved of riders and horses. And it, I think it is difficult to get into that now. I think it was a little bit easier in our day. And I think it was a little bit easier 10 years prior to us getting involved. Mm. <clears throat> but you've got to be strong. You've got to do what the other person's not prepared to do. And that means grafting. And when I say prepared to do, I'm not saying anything illegal. I'm talking like, <laughs> you know, if your friend's going out for the night, stay home, don't get involved, go out the next day, work hard at what you want and to try and achieve. Um, because if you're talking about people like Charlotte and Lottie who are driven for success, that's where it comes from. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a real big believer in if you want to be successful, you have to graft. Nothing is for free. And Definitely. people, I need people like my owners, but they're not going to give me opportunities if I'm not 100% committed. These for people sure. have to spend a lot of money and invest in you. And if they're seeing you just like, oh, no, I'm taking a week off, I'm going to go skiing, I'm going to go and do this, <clears throat> I wouldn't invest in that person. No. I'm not saying you can't have a life, but you've got to be prepared to graft. Definitely. And I think that's the one thing I'll look back on my life and say, I'm a grafter. I work as hard as anybody. And I don't care what the weather is. I don't care what my body's saying or how ill I am. I never take a sickie. Um, I think that's where you've got to be. You want to be good advice. Okay, so my final question is, Is can you tell us something that maybe people don't know about? <laughs> I'm a massive Liverpool fan, which is okay. really weird being from London. <laughs> okay. Um, I took my son yesterday as a Christmas present to watch Arsenal play Liverpool, and it was painful because we lost. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but my uh yeah both my sons are liverpool fans we live and breathe the <clears throat> liverpool um so yeah my other passion is football I, I love watching my middle son play um so i do that away from, that's my sort of like chill time on a sunday i have a day off and watch him play football sounds good well, thank you, Andrew. Doesn't get into horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping. I don't think she's really shown much talent in ballet, but she does ballet classes. I'm hoping she does that. But I've I've seen a few clips and it's not, I'm not hopeful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. It was um, great welcome. to talk to you. And uh, best of luck in Le Mans. So, yeah, and I'll see yeah, you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers for that. Take care. Bye bye. bye. Thank you, Andrew, for talking to me. It was really interesting, especially before you go off to your international. So best of luck with that. The whole episode was really inspiring. You were very open and honest about your whole journey, getting to where you got to. I like how you were very real about your ride at London Excel, how maybe the warm-up wasn't the most perfect preparation the day before. I think it's important that people talk about that. It's, It's nice for the riders to hear that kind of scenario. I love how you talk about your relationship with David Hunt, how he's been there from day one and how he's like a family member to you. Um, so that was lovely to hear and I'm sure that you will achieve one of your goals whether it be Europeans, Olympic or World Championships so best of luck with that it sounds like you've got great horses and a fantastic support team if anyone wants to find out more about Andrew check him out on Instagram I'm sure that I'll see you about on the circuit Andrew this year and for everyone that listens and shares my podcast it really means a lot keep on sharing guys thank you very much